This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This Saturday will mark the 20th anniversary of the September 11 terrorist attacks on the United States. Two decades later, the impact of what happened that day is evident around the world due to the wars that followed, but it's also apparent in our day-to-day lives. It's a huge topic. So in this episode of Squeeze Shortcuts, we'll recap what happened on September 11, how America and the West responded, and how it changed things forever. Squeeze Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. For those of us around in 2001, it's fair to say Claire 9-11 was the biggest and most shocking global event of our lifetime. In an instant, it changed things across the world forever. Before we get into that, let's recap what happened on that day. It was Tuesday, the 11th of September, when 19 hijackers took control of four US passenger jets and they were crashed into landmark buildings in Washington, D.C. and New York. The first plane hit the North Tower of the World Trade Centre in New York. That was at 8.46am. And initially, many thought it was a freak accident, but then a second plane crashed minutes later into the South Tower just after 9am. Soon after, a third plane hit the Pentagon just outside of Washington, D.C., and a fourth plane crashed in a field in Pennsylvania after passengers on board tried to stop what was to be an attack on another building in Washington, D.C. There were many deaths at both of those sites, but it was the Twin Towers, Claire, where the most damage was done. Yeah, the buildings were set on fire and those who were on the upper floors of those 110-storey buildings were trapped and couldn't escape. When the first plane hit, around 17,000, 1,400 people were in the buildings. Less than two hours later, both buildings collapsed into debris that killed those who couldn't get out and 412 first responders who went in to help them. Uh, In all, 2,977 people were killed. Most of those were in New York and it was the deadliest terrorist attack on American soil. Thousands more were injured or later developed illnesses connected to the attacks. Of course, the emotional toll on those who were there on the day was very significant. As you said, it was the deadliest terror attack on American soil in the country's history. Citizens also from 77 countries around the world were amongst those who were killed. As far as who was behind the attacks, Claire, it was extremist militant group Al-Qaeda. And Al-Qaeda was formed by Osama bin Laden and other Islamists in Afghanistan in 1988. Uh, Al-Qaeda was part of a group of Muslim guerrilla fighters known as the Mujahideen. That might sound familiar because the Taliban was also part of that. Mm. Uh, It was essentially a group of militants who were fighting the communist government of the day in Afghanistan in the 80s. The Mujahideen overthrew the government in Afghanistan after a civil war and the Taliban eventually took power in 1996. And Al-Qaeda fled to the regions, uh, those really mountainous areas where they hid out and grew. That was there that bin Laden and his fighters trained and they also recruited very hard. Uh, and they turned their focus to the US because they believed that America was the obstacle to establishing a global Islamic state. And it also blamed America and its allies for conflicts in the Muslim world. 
in all 19 al-Qaeda terrorists carried out the attacks on September 11. Things moved very quickly after that, Claire, and it was a defining moment for both the US and then President George W. Bush. Let's get into how the US responded now. Less than a month after the attacks, a recently elected George Bush launched Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan to fight the war on terror. Operation Enduring Freedom's mission was to stop the Taliban from providing safe haven to al-Qaeda and other terrorist groups and also to put an end to Osama bin Laden and al-Qaeda. So in October 2001, US forces led an invasion of Afghanistan. Supporting it was America's NATO allies. So that's a group of European nations, also the UK and Canada. Australia was on board too. Yeah, that's right. Our government, led by Prime Minister John Howard, was the first to back the United States military action. Howard was in Washington, D.C. at the time of the 9-11 attacks, and he was in the U.S. to see the newish president uh, and also to mark the 50th anniversary of the ANZUS Treaty. Yeah, quirk of timing there. The ANZUS Treaty is a formal security agreement we have with the U.S. and New Zealand that says we'll support and consult each other if we're ever in danger. We've got a whole squeeze shortcut we did on that last week. <laughs> Claire, 9-11 became the first time the ANZUS Treaty had been formally invoked in its history. Yeah, that's right. And so off to war we go. Uh, how that unfolded is the US-led coalition launched airstrikes starting in early October, uh, targeting the Taliban and al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. And by November 2001, the Taliban government was kicked out of the capital of Kabul and the US-backed Afghan government came into power. Such a short amount of time. The fight wasn't over, of course, though, Claire. The US still had another aim, and that was to find Osama bin Laden. He was America's top enemy, and there were some near misses in their hunt for him. Uh, in the end, though, it took almost a decade to find him in Pakistan, mm. and he was killed. Uh, his body was disposed of at sea uh, from a US aircraft carrier. Uh, then President Barack Obama uh, said that it was the most significant achievement to date in the nation's effort to defeat al-Qaeda. Yeah, as you say, that was under a new president, Barack Obama. Someone else who'd been on the US's hit list, Claire, was Iraq's dictator, Saddam Hussein. That's right. And that's because there was a belief at the time that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction that could be used to devastating effect. And so troops from America, the UK, Australia and others invaded Iraq in March 2003. Bit of a plot twist on this one, though. Those weapons of mass destruction didn't exist. Nope, they didn't. But Hussein, uh, whose regime harboured and supported terrorists, uh, lost control over Iraq's capital, Baghdad, within three weeks. Uh, and in December of that year, Saddam Hussein was captured and he was later tried and hanged. At the time, President Bush famously declared mission accomplished in Iraq, but peace was hard to come by. Like the situation in Afghanistan after the Taliban had been booted, the domestic situation in Iraq was really unstable. Yeah, and the US and coalition forces hung on to keep a lid on things in both nations and then started to make their exit uh, in 2014. But the rise of Islamic State forced a rethink. Uh, long story short, with IS considered to be defeated the United States is now withdrawn from Afghanistan and is on its way out of Iraq by the end of the year. Yeah, there are just over 2,000 troops remaining in Iraq. But as you said, that'll be done and dusted by the end of the year. The whole period changed a lot, not just in the Middle East, but around the world. Let's get into that now. Mm-hmm. 
9-11, as we said, Claire, caused a lot of change around the globe, right down to everyday things like how we travel. Kate, you like to remind me that you're too young probably to remember this, but (laughs) when 9-11 happened, I was three years into my first job out of uni and that was as a staffer in Parliament House, which meant I travelled quite a bit for work. And pre-9-11, you could just waltz into an airport 20, 30 minutes before your flight and just walk through the gates. And there was very little in the way of security that we know now. And all of that changed pretty much immediately after the attacks. Before 9-11, you could pretty much wander around Parliament House without your pass on. And if you worked there long enough, you got to know the security guards pretty well. And if they recognised you, they didn't really mind too much. But that changed instantly, as did the need to go through screening. Mm. Uh, There were many public areas that were closed off, bollards were put in. Uh, You could no longer access areas, including the top of Parliament House. And you used to be able to walk up that grassy hill and look into the building from the top. It was a real shame, but a sign of the times that you can't do that anymore. Uh, But there were many major public buildings across the country that were deemed potential targets for terrorists, and they experienced similar things in the wake of 9-11. I do remember going up and down that grassy hill on a primary school excursion pre-2001, Claire, as you said, no longer able to do things like that around Parliament House. Another thing to change around the world was legislation around counter-terrorism, as intelligence agencies were given access to look into the lives of citizens. In the US, that was done under the Patriot Act. It was a wide-sweeping piece of legislation that created new resources for the government to monitor citizens and act against perceived threats. In Australia, there were similar steps to give our domestic and international spy agencies more resources and more powers in the name of keeping us safe. Another very difficult issue we're still dealing with in the wake of 9-11 has been the rise in prejudice towards Arab and Muslim Australians. Australia's not alone in that. It's something that's documented across the Western world. Yeah, there's more than 600,000 Muslims in Australia and about a third were born here. The Muslim population is ethnically, linguistically, culturally diverse and there's no single interpretation of Islam. But Mm. since 9-11, there have been claims that the anti-terrorism law changes were targeted at the Muslim community and also reports of Muslims being discriminated against and finding themselves the targets of hate crimes. Uh, Governments have set up programs to counter that and to foster understanding, but it's a work in progress even still. To finish off, Claire, there was a determination in the US to rebuild a tower as tall as the original Twin Towers. Yeah, which it did, and it's called One World Trade Centre or the Freedom Tower. It stands 541 metres high. It's the tallest building in the US and the sixth tallest in the world. Yeah, for anyone who's been to New York, it's certainly one of the most notable features of the Manhattan skyline. That's your shortcut to 9-11. On to our recommendations. Each episode of Squiz Shortcuts, we give a recommendation on some further reading, listening or watching. We mentioned earlier in the podcast that our former Prime Minister, John Howard, was in the US at the time of 9-11. Today, my recommendation, Claire, is an ABC Conversations podcast interviewing him at the 10th anniversary of the September 11 attacks. Really interesting insights to how he was thinking at that time. And sticking with the ABC, there's a series just out called Beyond the Towers. It's four episodes. It's hosted by Tony Jones and it looks at all that we've talked about today with Mm. an Aussie lens. I found it really compelling. 
Yeah, link to both of those, of course, as always, is in your episode notes. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week.